Hey, Black Love fam. Before we get into this dope conversation, I have to tell you what our friends at Target are up to. Through their Black Beyond Measure campaign, Target is celebrating and elevating Black success all year round. They got the HBCU design contest and the winning designs were showcased last month and they were fire, like I told you they were going to be. And you have to check out the Buy Black product hub. Why? Because not only do they have dope loose leaf tees, which are my jam, but they also got my other jam (laughs) for the upcoming spring and summer, Lafette Rosé all day. Target is out here uplifting the Black community and my tea game. So if you want to learn more about how Target continues to support Black entrepreneurs, students, and creatives, visit target.com slash blackbeyondmeasure. What's up, Black Love fam and first-time fam? Welcome to another edition of Man to Man, a part of the Black Love Podcast Network. I'm David Wazicki, General Manager of Black Love. So, all right, this brother here is one of those, I can do it all if I put my mind to it types. <laughs> Check it out. He's a private chef, media personality, started his career out as a celebrity wardrobe stylist. So, you know, I got to get into all of that, connect all those dots, and I'm real excited to do it. So, without further ado, Let's uh, get into it with the one and only Seth Brundle. What up, what up? What's going on? What's up, brother? How we doing? I'm doing really well. I cannot complain. Um, them positive good vibes all 2022, so there you I'm go. just trying to keep that going. Now, let's keep the momentum going because Lord yeah. knows after the past couple of years, we, uh, <laughs> we need the upswing. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we dig in as we normally do here on man to man is hit you with the blue check certified question uh to make you officially certified and a part of the man to man (laughs) Um, give me that blue check since instagram won't oh here we go here we go yeah i'll give it to you i'll give it to you that instagram thing it's overrated anyway it's man to man's where it's at indeed indeed so um here's the question what does masculinity mean to you Oh, um, I always love that question. And I love that question because of who I was raised by. Um, my father, God bless him, is a, a phenomenal man. He and my mother were married for 24 years. Um, they divorced when I was 24. Wow. You know, and my dad's just always been a constant in my life. And, you know, being raised by such a phenomenal man. So Hmm. my definition of masculinity is always solely based on, you know, how he raised me and what he taught me, you know, growing up. And that was, you know, masculinity and the definition of being a man is all in how you take care of your responsibilities. Hmm. It's not about your body count. It's not about how much you can bench press or deadlift. (laughs) It's not about how many niggas you can how many niggas fade you can catch, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it's yeah. not about any of that. It has everything to do with, you know, what type of person you are in your community, in society, and, you know, just in general and how you take care of your responsibility. So one of the de- debates I always get into with, you know, other cisgender straight men is, you know, like my gay friends are more masculine than you guys, mm-hmm. you know, like, whatever twisted concept you guys have of masculinity, I don't share that, you know? Yeah. The fact that you guys think sexuality has anything to do with masculinity, I don't share in that. 
it's just all about the type of person you know you are in your community and society and that that's it Hmm. you know so anybody who's who identifies as a male who's taking care of their responsibilities their children killing it at work taking care of their mental health that's the most masculine shit i can think of you know i love that i love that so one definitely certified you're (laughs) you're in (laughs) thanks pop (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah number two I want to further this just a little bit more and and play off of that because there's a few things you mentioned. So one, my take, just so you know, and I probably mentioned it on previous episodes, I, I think we all have masculine and feminine energy within us. Absolutely. I think some more than others. And to your point, I think that masculine energy is what allows you to take on those responsibilities. It allows you to, you know, move in society with handling your business and things like that, then you have the feminine energy that allows you to feel more, experience more, be more in tune. I, I think the feminine energy is more innate. It gives you more of that um, intuition. Absolutely. Not to say masculine energy has nothing to do with spirituality. I think it totally does, but just in a different way. So it's, it, it is interesting you bring that up. And um, I've, I've never heard two people answer this question the same way. So I'm loving this and I hope the track record continues. But before we got on here, we were talking about your son yeah. and his name, which is dope. And the and the origin, like I was telling you, I'm a huge reggae artist. And, uh, reggae artist, I wish. Um, <laughs> Moonlighting at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Look, look, look. But uh <laughs> you don't have people mad at you in the comments. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Just for that one. But um not nah, just with with all the reggae music, they a, a lot of artists tend to shout out um King Selassie and uh that's your three-year-old son's name. Uh yeah. can you can you explain to the audience why why you chose that name? Yeah, so my my little boy, my my firstborn and my only child, um, his name is Selassie. My wife is half Eritrean. Her father is from East Africa. And when we started dating seriously, you know, because you you always have that track of like, it's bumpy, you know, you're on again, off again, and then you finally decide you want to be together. But when we started dating seriously and, you know, talks and thoughts of marriage started coming up, I remember she stopped me one night and she's like, you know, I I, got to put this out there. You know, I'm not someone you know, who, who feels any type of way about taking your last name, you know, I'm more than willing to do that. You know, I love you. Um, the only thing is if we do indeed continue to move forward, we get married and we have children, you know, my only thing is my children have to have Papa Shut names. So for me, I was like, yeah, that's, that's cool. That's fine. So we had this laundry list of, you know, Habesha names that uh, we were considering. We didn't know the the gender of my son until he was born. We kept that a secret from ourselves. Mm-hmm. It was my wife's idea and I was against it, but it ended up being like, you know, such a wonderful thing. But, yeah. you know, Selassie was always at the top of my list. And Commons B, that album came out when I was, I think, a sophomore or junior at uh, Morehouse. And I remember the song, The People, there was these bars and this cadence that he had in the song that always stuck with me where he said, I wonder if the spirits of Bob Marley and Holly Selassie watch me as the cops be trying to pop and lock me. Me, Yeah. (laughs) And I've I've said those bars in my head, just like every black man that loves hip hop has done like throughout their lifetime. I've said that bar in my head over and over and over again for like 15 years. So when it was time to name my son, when he was born, when he was in the hospital, I think it took us, 
he was just baby, uh, baby McMullen. That's my legal last name. <laughs> so he was just baby McMullen for the first three days after he was born. And I just kept telling my wife, he's Selassie. He's Selassie. That's his name. And, you know, she agreed to it. You know, she loved it. It technically, like my father-in-law gave us a little pushback because it's not Eritrean. Sure, sure. But it is a Habesha name. And if you meet him, you know, you, you'll, you'll tell he's nothing but a Selassie. Yeah. So. That's dope. That's dope. I appreciate you sharing yeah. that. So what do you think uh, in, in terms of masculinity? So since you, you clearly took from your dad, are you passing that same thing down to Selassie? Are there, are there certain things you're already trying to evoke into him? I mean, I know he's three, but I know us as parents, we already start, you know, getting it in with, with our ways of being. Sure. I mean, definitely. Um, you know, my, my, my son is, is wicked smart. He's wicked smart. He's a sponge. He soaks up everything. And one of the things my wife and I are always amazed by is the fact that he always understands context. Like that's, it's just mind blowing to me for a three-year-old to understand context in so many different, you know, arenas. But I have started that in, you know, just being, you know, fully honest, fully transparent, you know, I think about my father a lot. I can hear him in my own voice when I'm talking to my son, um, whether, you know, we're having a tender moment or whether, you know, I just need to raise my voice and have that dad voice and, yeah, yeah. you know, discipline him <laughs> or whatever the case is. But there are a couple instances specifically that I'm thinking of right now where I I have, you know, invoked the spirit of my dad and figured out what the definition of masculinity that he's always taught me, how I'm going to impart that on, on my son. So, for instance, my brother-in-law's wife's mother. Okay, I'm following. I'm following. Yeah. So my brother-in-law, my my wife's younger brother's wife's mother. I have a nephew, uh, my brother-in-law's son, who's only four months younger than my son. So when they were initially born, you know, she would buy them both like the same gifts. And one of them was a doll. So he has, you know, an African-American, brown-skinned, dark-skinned baby doll, you know, just like his cousin got. And I remember, you know, when she gave it to him, you know, he wasn't really interested in it initially. And then maybe six months ago, it's just kind of been sitting in his room. Yeah. And maybe six months ago, he really started taking interest in it. And it's it's odd to me because of how I've been socialized my entire mm -hmm. life. And I'm constantly having to check my own ideals and biases about sexuality and gender and all those other things. And I remember initially having that feeling when he got interested in the doll, like, you know, what are you doing? That's that's a girl's toy. And, yeah, yeah. you know, immediately after I didn't say this to him, but immediately after just my entire di dialogue, I'm like, who says that's a girl's toy? Right. You know, one of the things that I'm always trying to be conscious of is calling myself something. So, hmm. you know, if I'm an advocate, if I'm saying I'm an advocate of my gay friends, of my trans friends, of, you know, my black women, you know, friends, family, so on and so forth. If I'm saying I'm an advocate of anybody, what does that mean? And how am I living that, you know, in my private life? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. am I just on the internet posting rainbow flags and, <laughs> you know, being in support of, you know, my people or, you know, the polar opposite. But, you know, that was one of the first instances I remember having to check myself and reminding myself of what I was taught and what I believe in, mm. you know, in terms of gender roles and, you know, toys and different things like that. So it's one of his favorite, you know, toys, along with all his, his Spider-Man and his PJ Masks and all that other stuff. 
it's almost like a companion for him because he doesn't have any siblings. Yeah. Um, he doesn't want any siblings, but <laughs> like he sleeps with the baby. You know, he he brings the baby around with him, you know, to play games and different things like that. And it's one of those things that makes me laugh every time I see it. Like, it's just a reminder for me to continue to check myself. Right. And the work is never done right. in that regard. And then the other thing it would be, you know, he's three years old. So crying. I maybe said out loud to him a couple of times, like, you know, you're a big boy. You can't you're not yeah. supposed to be crying. And I'm yeah. like. No, I got to reframe that. Like, yeah. you know, be, again, because of how I've been socialized, that was my first response. But what my dad has always taught me to go back and check myself. So I'm like, no, let me let me rehash that or let me rethink that. So my thing to my son and our thing to, you know, our son is always, you know, there's a time and there are reasons to cry. You know what I mean? And that's totally OK. And we give you the space and opportunity to express yourself. But, you know us telling you, you can only watch uh, cartoons for 30 minutes and then you agreeing to that and then your timer going off and then you throw in a fit, like that's not a that's reason not to it. cry. Yeah. And it doesn't have yeah. anything to do with gender. So yeah, those are the first two examples that I can think of, but you know, it's gonna be an ongoing process. Like, you know, me and my boys always have these conversations kind of preemptively, like thinking about what type of parents we wanna be. Like, what am I gonna do, you know, uh, what, what's going to be, not what am I going to do, but what is going to be my response if my son comes home one day and tells me that he's gay or he's a trans woman or, you know, God forbid he's a dumb athlete or, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and and no, no disrespect to, you know, to them, but like, I'm a comic book nerd, yeah, you yeah. know, I, I, I cook, I'm, I'm artsy, like, you know, so I always want him to follow in my footsteps in that regard, but you know, it, it's going to be an ongoing process and I'm always going to remember my dad, you know, throughout the whole thing. No, that's dope. But um, yeah, man, I, I, I think it's interesting being a parent. So I have a, I have a daughter who uh, turns four the end of this month and these toddler years in particular, there's something very interesting because that's where you start seeing the personality form, right? That's where it starts to take yeah. shape. So to your point, you see him with the doll, you're like, oh, okay. And then you have these old social quote unquote norms and ideals, outdated ones at that, where you start leaning into. I, I think it's one, it's dope that your dad, you know, had this uh, check system for lack of a better phrase for you to check yourself to you, for you to use that as kind of a trigger to say, hmm, is it, am I coming at this right? Is that the type of person I want to be? Is that the type of parent I want to be? Is that the type of man I want to be? You know, cause I've, I've had it with, with my daughter, like my daughter loves cars. She loves trucks. She loves now, thankfully because of her height. Um, cause we are tall, me and my wife, um, she loves basketball, but rub it in. Why don't you, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how tall you want my bad brother. I don't average know. Height gang. <laughs> average height gang. <laughs> okay. Well above average height gang. But, um, listen, if, if you ever need me in a, in a pickup basketball game, I'm only a call away. So <laughs> I can't hoop for shit. I cannot hoop for <laughs> All shit. Right. All right. So scratch that off the list. Um, but I'm here for you height wise, whatever you need, whatever you need me to <laughs> go taller with. <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. <laughs> but, ne you know, nevertheless, I had to take a step back. Like I always pause and the same thing you're doing. I didn't have that from my dad. My dad's very old school, very 
those social norms that we're trying to deconstruct right now and 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 uh redefine he's got all the old stuff and so yeah so when she does it and if we facetime it's i'm like you know it's cool like that's cool that's just what she gravitates towards that's who she is it has nothing to do with you know she needs to have a Barbie. She needs to have a this. She needs, I don't like Barbies anyway, but she needs to have a this down a third. You know, it's just what she gravitates towards. It's what she's learning. It's how she's coming in to being. And to your point, for us, parenting every single day is a new learning experience. There's a new nuance. Sure. There's a new something. And for them as well. I mean, they're just coming into their own. So we essentially have to take a step back anyway. And just understand and appreciate that, you know? Yeah. And then one of the things that I love about being a parent, too, is like the process of relearning for us. Mm. You know what I mean? Like one of the things like when you hear these arguments about, you know, gender norms and and sexuality and all this other stuff. On one side, one of the arguments, you know, that we hear time and time again, and you kind of spoke to a second ago was these societal constructs that we yeah. we've you know created and then you have the other side arguing against that so you have you and i as parents in the middle trying to figure out what it is that we believe and how we're going to run our households and then i have my son in front of me who you know has his doll baby has his you know marvel toys and different things like that and one of the interesting phenomenons about watching him play with the doll is that he doesn't like, and just like the argument on the left says, my son doesn't understand gender. He doesn't understand pronouns. He's not preoccupied with, you know, sexuality. The doll has no gender to him. He interchanges he, she, they all the time, constantly within yeah. the same 30 yeah. minute, you know, exactly. time yep. period or whatever yep. the case is. Like, he doesn't understand that. You know what I mean? So that's an interesting thing about parenthood to kind of like take away and having learned you know, from him in this, uh, in only three years, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, that this is correct. That does have merit. You know, that's absolutely true. Like, it's not the kids, it's us teaching children about gender fluid, fluidity and gender identity and all those things is not going to be harmful to them at all. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, they don't have these same constructs as we do. So it's, I, I love that aspect of parenthood. Yeah, I think it was the, it was, <laughs> It was the biggest revelation to me. You know, now there's the, the phrase conscious parenting and, and you know, there are those who subscribe to it, those who do not. I do. And I think for me, like the heart of it is being more aware to your point. It's like you check yourself before you check them because they are in essence, I mean, they are our teachers as we, you know, we are, we support, we give, we give them, you know, set healthy boundaries. I hope as best as we can, we try to unlearn what we've learned in our past, the negative. And like you said, relearn in this way. But to me, just that phrase is just being more aware of the actions that we're doing and trying to right the wrongs of our past, our his- history, and and even today. I mean, today there's just so much change, so much unearthing of all the wrongs and the things we just covered and we took for granted, or we, or we, you know, or we made a little bit worse, you know. So I think you know yeah. we, we've all <laughs> we've all we've all been part of that dynamic in 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 some way. I mean, I I can look back how I was raised and what I 
thought I was supposed to do. And you touched on that just when we talked about masculinity and, you know, what I was supposed to be doing and what was supposed to make me a man. And now, you know, I look back, I laugh and I'm like, I wish, you know, (laughs) had I been able to mature and get to that point sooner, man, what a different, easier, I think, and more fulfilled life I would have had because I wouldn't have had all these pressures that I didn't even care about. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't necessary having to waste your whole day trying to, you know, try to, you know, chase women and get the numbers and this and that and come back to your boys and be like, yeah, see, yeah, see, told you, see. And that's what my work. And that, so that's, you, you are touching on, you're touching on something that like, I, I'm constantly having this conversation too. And mm. having one of those realization, having that same realization as an adult, yeah, you know, that there's a performance of masculine oh for yeah. you know most mo- for most cis straight men there's a performance of masculinity for other men yes and <laughs> yes. same men hate gay men it it's just it's such a it's such a complex it's it's such a complex construct in that yeah. in that way where you know, like, in having that realization myself, and I, I love to fuck with people, like, especially, <laughs> like, you know, dickhead, bonehead, like, you know, hyper-masculine dudes or whatever, yeah, where I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you're doing this for other men's approval. Right. Like, don't <laughs> right. don't try to deviate and don't try to convince me that you're doing this for the love and affection of women, because you really and truly don't even like women. You don't like women. You like to have sex with them. And, you know, a lot of y'all like to just have sex with them to run and tell other men about. Mm. You don't even enjoy the mm. act. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and <laughs> that's good. That's that's a powerful, you know, revelation, too, that I've had as an adult, you know, not in not in middle school, not in high school, not in college anymore. And really figuring out, like, what matters to me and whose opinions, you know, matter to me. And I'm not performing for no other niggas. I don't right. <laughs> I don't I don't care. Like, yeah. that doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't pay my bills. You know, it doesn't benefit me. It doesn't make me smarter. It doesn't make me better. You know, it just, it's its not something that I, I want to participate. In. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. No. It's wild, man, you know, right? But it's hopefully, wild Hopefully, you know, nobody's done growing. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, for me, that's like the biggest, that, that phrase, uh, change is the only constant in life. For me, I always hope the change is on you and you're not waiting for the change to happen to you. Because if you wait for the change to happen to you, it's a lot tougher to swallow. It's a lot harder to navigate this life. But if you take it upon yourself, like you said, you know, never not learning as a parent, as a man, as a, as a, as a husband, as, as a, as a friend, as a, you know, what, whatever in life that's what's going to make this life more enjoyable that's what's going to make it more fruitful yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah no I'm, I'm sure yeah we could talk about like, that all yeah. all day yeah all day all right fam before we get any further it's time for a little joy break what's a joy break you ask it's a lot like our blue check question around these parts but this one is for all of you listening all right You ready? What brought you joy this week? 
It could be simple as your favorite iced coffee, your favorite red wine, something your little kid did, something your dog or cat did. I'm going to give you two things of mine. First, and for me, my most obvious is my little pride and joy, my daughter, who just turned four. Her name's Ananda, and her name actually means bliss and joy. So I kind of baked that into my life (laughs) to ensure I have black joy around me on the daily from the moment I wake up or she wakes me up to the moment I rest my head. Another thing that brought me joy this week was, yep, my weekly target run because we all do them. I was able to shop black owned and founded brands and get everything I needed to bring me a little joy this week, like a little rosé and a little tea. Just putting it out there. And look, we're not just talking about in February, Black History Month is behind us, but through their Black Beyond Measure campaign, Target is celebrating our community all year round. Look, it's important to make sure we all take a moment for joy every single day. So if you want to surround yourself with a little joy and help uplift and celebrate Black creatives and entrepreneurs, make sure to visit target.com slash blackbeyondmeasure to learn more. I also want to touch on, just dig in a little bit um, career-wise, because I want to, there's a few things here that, that I want to dig into around just your pivots and how you navigated, and I'll just start from a, a wardrobe stylist mm-hmm. to what you're doing now as, as a chef and media personality, mostly as a chef. I'm, I'm very intrigued by that. I'm intrigued by all of it, to be honest with you, because I love style. I, I actually thought at one point, you know, I was like styling. That's that's pretty dope. I think I can get with that. Now, of course, we we already started talking about gender norms and uh, and things like that. So, you know, I'm just gonna say it. Typically, stereotypically, it's more, you know, for men they're gay in that scenario. And, you know, it's a women's style, you know, type of profession and this and that. And I feel, you know, but let me just quick 30 seconds here it, with my background, I was always veering towards something creative. Like I, you know, as an artist that had a camera in my hand and I was like, I just got to create, I got to do something uh, creative. So I, love fashion, love music, love cooking, love design, um, all of that. So I was like, I'm all in. So that's why, you know, as a stylist, I was like, oh, that's dope. Interior design, that's dope. Both of those industries supposed to be gay men and it's supposed to be women. Yeah, stereotypically, yeah. Yeah, stereotypically, right? And in terms of, you know, so then I had to be like, damn, okay, to your point, let me check myself. But it became a little harder because it did become difficult to come across, you know, more um, straight men that were in the game. And it was like harder and harder to find. And then I find them and, you know, I can count on one hand in, in both of those industries and then other industries. And yeah. But then you but then it's like once you're in, then you realize, you know, if you're creative, let, let's just jump in. Let's just, you know, get into it. And I think with. Yeah. The reverse where you look at society where a lot of things have been for the longest time controlled by, you know, cis straight white men in that in that case. So, you know, for us 
uh, to break barriers in those ways, I think it's the same thing. I'm not saying breaking barriers uh, in, in this case in the opposite way, but I think it's just defying the norms or what's considered the norms or what's considered the old norms. But um, nevertheless, back to the question at hand, how did you become a stylist? Uh, so my journey always when get when I get asked that question, because I get asked that question in every single interview that I do, I always tell people my career journey is a lot like that meme uh, where it's like what people think your career track is supposed to look mm. like. And it's a straight line. And it's yeah. like what your career track actually looks like. And it's like <laughs> all these squiggles all over the page. Yeah, yeah. So the latter is definitely reflective of my career journey. So um, kind of like you, like I've always been a creative. I've always been in the fashion. Um, went to have taken design classes like my entire life. When I was in high school, I would go to night school. You know, after college, I went to El Camino um, and did classes up there. You know, so it's always been a part of me and I've always cooked. I've always, mm. you know, been an artist. So I've always drawn and I've always read comic books and things like that. And I played a little sports when I was growing up, but I was never really interested. And again, like, you know, just shout out to my parents, like my dad mm. for being who he he is, um, you know, and he was, you know, and the same thing with my mom. They were the yin and yang to the perfect circle of like parenthood as far as I'm concerned and, and how I was raised. So like, yeah. as far as fashion goes, because of my dad and because of men like Carl Jones uh, of Cross Colors, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. because of men like Damon John of FUBU, um, you know, and his Fubu. partners and yeah, different yeah. things like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, they did their relaunch or whatever. So I bought a bunch of stuff on their website. Um, Damon, if you happen to see this for whatever reason, send me a bunch of stuff, please. <laughs> and thank you. But because, you know, for me, because I've always see, seen sh cis straight black men in this space my entire life, I didn't necessarily think it was an odd thing. Like, shout out to my mom. Like, I don't. were you born and raised in L.A.? No, nah, I was I was born and raised in New York. I've been in L.A. for about three years now. So you probably have the same experience that I did growing up. So like when I was growing up and Cross Colors first came out, there wasn't like, you know, our Cross Colors is in Nordstrom now. And those like <laughs> yeah. premium end caps yeah. and it's beautiful. Yeah. And every time I go in there, I'm like, shout out to Carl. That's amazing. Yeah. Man. Yeah. But, you know, when I was growing up and Cross Colors was hot. You know, when you had this first like run of these urban streetwear brands, they weren't in boutiques. They weren't in retail. Not at all. They used to open up at like random warehouses and you would have to know. So like yep. my mom would find out about these cross color drops or whatever. She would tell me and my brothers like, hey, there's one Tuesday night at seven o'clock. There's one Saturday <laughs> at three in the afternoon, whatever, whatever it is, dress comfortably, go in there, get what you want and head to this corner over there. Don't talk to anybody. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, don't yeah. let anybody distract you. Like it yeah. was like a game. Oh, I know. You know, yeah. so that was where, <laughs> you know, that was where my love of fashion first, you know, developed through through th seeing those men and seeing myself in those men. And then being a mama's boy, my mom, you know, God bless her. She passed away about four months ago. But my oh, wow. mom was, you know, super stylish woman, <laughs> very classy woman. Um, you know, any extra money that she had, you know, was spent on jewelry or a dress or something, you know, beautiful that she, you know, could express herself with. So that was one of her and my, you know, common bond. And then I had my dad who was always supporting whatever it was that I was interested in. 
you know, I'm telling my dad in sixth grade that I want to be, you know, a designer and I don't have this man looking at me like, why don't you pick up a football? Yeah. You know, why yeah, don't you pick up, yeah. you know, that's he was dumb. like, that's, that's great. You know, yeah. he's looking at my sketches. Oh, when can we get this made? <laughs> like my dad's always been that type of person. So even though we have like these societal constructs of, you know, who stereotypically does what and, mm-hmm. you know, that was in the back of my head. It didn't necessarily stop me. I think practicality got in the way initially, sure. kind of like you were saying, like if you if you were older, wiser, more mature, you know, you would have done things differently at different, you know, earlier stages in your life. And for me, it's the same thing with styling. I think the only, you know, the the stereotypes didn't hold me back. It was the practicality. So it was, okay, I have this marketing degree from Morehouse. I've had this amazing internship at Mattel. You know, I have these job offers from these amazing, you know, marketing and PR agencies in LA. You know, I don't really know how to get into styling. I don't really know any professional stylists, but I have an immediate paycheck in front of me right here. So it took me, I think, two or three years after undergrad and working in PR and marketing to really be honest with myself about what I wanted to do. And it was one of those things where it was like, okay, I can move back in with my mom. You know, I have my car is paid off. Met a couple stylists that I can assist and kind of learn the ropes. Hmm. I'm quitting my job and I'm going for it. And that's kind of been my career track ever since. So I started off as a stylist. My friend Monique Scott, uh, you know, rest in peace. I, I had a rough year last year. Uh, my friend Monique passed away earlier last year. She was an incredible stylist uh, who went by Kitty Fontaine. When I started working with her, she was working on television pilots and she was Faith Evans stylist at the time. So got to work with uh, Faith Evans a lot. God bless her. She's an amazing human being, an amazing artist, and such a gracious, down-to-earth person. So I got to assist her with Faith Evans and like a, a lot of the one-off jobs that she was doing. And then around the time where I was transitioning and breaking out onto my own and you know doing my own project, she became Kendrick Lamar's first stylist. Wow. So he and her just you know took off together. And then she was having some mental health issues, so they had to let her go. But that was, I got my foot in the door in styling through my friend Monique. And, you know, that was a wonderful experience assisting her for six months and then branching out on my own. So, you know, I had a, I had a great career. I worked with Tiana Taylor and Chris Brown and my friends Amber Riley and Issa Rae and, nice. um, you know, a bunch of other projects. I mostly did editorial and music videos work with MERS, you know, real hip hop heads. So <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I did that for about six years until I just got, I got burnt out with it. You know, like any career in entertainment, especially when you work in a service capacity, you know, it has its ebbs and its, its, its flows. And there was too much ebb for me, you know? Mm. And then on top of that, I was getting closer to 30. So I was dealing with young rappers and singers with attitudes and egos and <laughs> Yeah, who will yeah. request one thing one day and then the next day when I show up with it, they acted like I didn't know they didn't know what I was talking about. And luckily around that time, like I like I said, like because of my mom and my grandmother, I've always cooked and I've always enjoyed it, but I never really considered it an actual career, you know, path. And my one of my close friends, Leslie, she had a digital show on Easter Ray's YouTube network before insecure and all those things. And she was like, you know, I was talking to Issa, you know, um, about doing more content. You know, you and I should do a cooking show together because that was one of Leslie and I's things. We will always get together, you know, and cook together. And 
I was like, it's crazy that you say that. I just pitched this idea to Issa for a digital show that I did on her network eventually that was called uh, Fundamental. But I was like, yeah, that's that's amazing. You and I have a great dynamic. Let's do it. So we only did six episodes of you know this this web series on Issa's network. And then a few months later, we got a call from the general manager at Aspire, uh, Melissa Ingram, who's my, my spellhouse sister. And <laughs> she's the SVP over at UpTV now. But um, we got a call from her and she was like, hey, love what you guys are doing on the web. Would you guys like to do, you know, a holiday special? We were like, hell yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the conversation just kept snowballing. And then it was like, how about we just like take Butter and Brown to, to yeah. cable television? We're looking into original programming. And through that journey, you know, it was easy because I was working with one of my closest friends. I enjoyed cooking. But through this journey in digital and and you know, network, entertainment, and culinary, I really figured out how passionate I am about food. Mm, And that was one of the things that I didn't realize. Like, I knew I enjoyed it. You know, it was one of those things when I was broke and I was in my 20s and I was styling. One of those things like, you know, I can't really afford to, you know, take girls out, but I can can cook their panties off. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) (laughs) so it was, was one of those things like, I have this skill, I enjoy it. And through this journey, I figured out probably by year two, like, this is something I'm actually passionate about. And I think I want to pivot myself. So Hmm. that kind of happened where I was like, kind of done with this styling thing. Um, Don't really have, you know, the capacity for that anymore. Don't really have the passion for that anymore. Even though I'm passionate about fashion. Sure. You know, I focus my sights on culinary entertainment and culinary entrepreneurship. So that's, you know, I've been on that track ever since. And, you know, it's just taken me amazing places. I've had two network shows. I think I've had five, you know, web series, digital shows across Issa Rae's uh, YouTube channel, Hooray, um, BuzzFeed, Cocoa Butter, Complex, and a couple other ones. Um, So it's been a great journey. And, you know, over the pandemic, I kept telling myself, I wasn't going to get into the culinary business. Mm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up falling into it. And I I love it. Yeah. I love it. Love, <laughs> love, love it. I love private chefing. I love the the small intimate events that I do. I love my clients. And I just, I, I started doing my um, pop-up restaurant series last year. I'm working on the second one right now. But it's just been an incredible career journey. And, you know, I'm just grateful again to my dad. Shout out to my dad and my mom for just always encouraging me and let letting me be me. You know what I mean? And yeah. and showing up as my full self all the time without any shame. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have been able to have this journey. See, I think that's, you know, I, what you just said right there, every single parent listening, us included, I already know that's in our DNA <laughs> to do it with our with our respective child, but I mean, if we if we can provide that the opportunities, just the possibilities that can be created in this world within our community specifically, just, just off the strength of that. It's boundless. Yeah. Boundless again, quote unquote, simple, but day by day, you take it day by day, step by step and just, you know, keep reinforcing that. I mean, that's, that's, that's everything. Yeah. I'm, I'm blessed. Yeah. I'm, I am really and truly blessed in that regard because, you know, even still now, like my dad, we still have that relationship. Like we, we went to lunch last week and he's just always in awe. Like my dad's like, like a small child almost. He's just always in <laughs> awe 
about the things that I'm telling him I'm doing, about the things that I've accomplished, you know, because he can never remember anything. He's like, wait, you did the coming to America thing? I, oh, yeah, I do. Like, dad, come on, man. But, um, but you know, no, nevertheless, he's always very, very encouraging, very supportive. And, and you know, I love him for that. So, Nah, man, look, yeah. I I love him for that. And I, and I love that there is that relationship. So that's one thing I do want to put a spotlight on right now in this conversation is that father son relationship that I feel like, you know, that that's like the, one of the least types of conversations that we hear in black culture is a father son relationship. That's this beautiful. And I'm, you know, I'm like geeking out cause I appreciate this so much. And again, it just further inspires and motivates me. And I hope it does the same for those uh, listening because it's possible. It's real. It happens. It exists. It's not, you know, we need more of that. We need men to be more comfortable with that, doing that, showing that, showing that, uh, you know, among one another. And even again, no pun intended, but man to man, like, why can't we have photos hugging up on each other and appreciating each other when it's not the wedding? Can, can we do that when we're not groomsmen? Cause, cause, Right. Nine and a half times out of ten, that that's what you see out there on the gram, right? It's you see you see all these yeah. men loving and happy and hooting and hollering, and if it's not because they're cheering their their favorite team in a specific content, <laughs> yeah, it's like, but it's usually a, a sporting event or the wedding. You're the groomsman, the best yeah. man, or your team just won. So it, you know, it, it's one or the other, and it's like, how many other times can it just be? You know. Like you see all, all of these other beautiful photos with women where they're just galling up and they're all together and it's like love and this and that. And for men, it's like, yeah, yeah, bro. <laughs> I, I'm happy to say that's not one of that's not one of my challenges. You know what I mean? In, in my groups of friends, like, you know, I have I have the best male friends on earth. I have a core group of, you know, guy friends from high school and I have, you know, my best friends, my core group of friends from from Morehouse, and we are still thickest thieves, still very close. We are all on the same page about emoting, about calling each other out on our shit, um, you know, about, you know, keeping one another honest. And it's one of those things that I really appreciate because you, you, you know, we get older, we meet people in different circles, we have conversations, and you understand that you start to understand that what you share with your friends and family is very special and unique. And it's not necessarily something that other people get to enjoy in, in their circles. And I'm, I'm grateful that I'm not, I'm not in Congress with anyone on an intimate level who has these like idiotic, archaic, like constructs of masculinity and femininity and roles and all this other, all this other crap, man. Like, uh, I and and I love it too because like all of our wives, our girlfriends, our fiancés, like they've made it a point to like you know become friends with one another, and they all talk to each other. You know, outside of us, they have their little group chats. <laughs> They're planning a trip for all of us this summer and different things like that. So it's it's a group of men that I'm very very proud, you know, to be a part of. Even with you know like I'm an alpha, like even with my frat brothers you know, my one line brother that I, I still talk to like 
I always, and I don't know if it's one of those conscious things or one of those subconscious things, but I've been blessed to always be put around people who are like-minded. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. We don't think the same, we don't think in the same ways, but we are just usually aligned on our core values and what matters. You know what yeah. I mean? Yep. I have yep. boys who are inexplicably DC fans. I don't get it. I don't, <laughs> I was raised on Marvel. I don't yeah, yeah. get those tropes <laughs> and those narratives yeah, or whatever, yeah. but yeah. you know, we're still aligned in the yeah. sense that we're comic book fans and different things like that. So I'm, I'm grateful for those friendships for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And keep celebrating that because again, we need to keep seeing that. So look, it, uh, one last thing I, li I like to bring up during this podcast, since it is wellness in all its forms, friendships, love, marriage, parenting, all the things, um, are routines or rituals that we may do. You don't have to have it, but if you have it, please share it. But just yeah. wanting to understand, you know, so, some folks have their morning rituals, some have their night rituals, some have something for the body, some have for the soul, some have for the mind, some have for all three. You know, with that, there's no wrong answers. But is there any consistent type of baseline to, you know, get yourself centered or grounded or anchored, whatever type of phrasing? Absolutely. So, so most of the time, in, in terms of my rituals, during the week, because we have a toddler, I'm now <laughs> one of those people who rises early and goes to bed early. I'm usually up by five. Same. And I'm usually like in the bed, if not sleep by 10 every single night. Same. Um, <laughs> weekends included or whatever, because my son does not care how much sleep I got. <laughs> so my rituals usually consist of, you know, my son's alarm clock goes off at seven, whether he's up or not. And he knows it's time to get up when his alarm goes off. So I usually get up at five. I draw all the windows in the living room where I'm sitting now, go to the kitchen. I brew myself a very large cup because I'm I'm a coffee fanatic. Like I usually <laughs> have two to three cups of coffee a day. So I brew my first cup of coffee in my Keurig. There's this butterscotch toffee coffee that I really like, Colombian coffee. Okay. Brew that, sit by the window. My wife calls me an old man because I'll just look out of the window <laughs> and like surveil the neighborhood for yeah, like yeah. <laughs> for, for like 30 minutes and just get centered most of the time. Can't stand him as a human being. But, you know, like this is one of those areas where you separate the man from the word. But like I get Joel Osteen's like daily word. Mm, Can't okay. stand him as a human being. But, <laughs> sure. you know, the the word is the word, the no word matter who the, the messenger is. So, sure, sure. you know, usually um, read my word. That's usually my thirst, first 30 minutes when I wake up. And then hop on my Peloton. One of the things I'm always grateful for and always joke, like I'm fat, but I'm active. I'm, I'm a healthy person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I usually do an hour on my Peloton, like five five to six days a week um, before my wife and my son get up. And then there's usually about 30 minutes left. So hop in the shower, throw on some clothes, um, kind of look at my schedule for the, day, for the day, and then it's time to get going. Get after. So that's that's like my daily my daily ritual Monday through Friday. I love that. I love that. I mean, you 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 hit on the trifecta, mind, body, soul, right there. You get the yeah. the body moving, you get the the soul moving, and you get the mind going. And you know that stillness by being an old man and looking out the window <laughs> that that all plays that all plays a part. I love it. Look, I love it. I'm I'm all about yeah. that. I do it with no shame. I'm just like. 
I got my cup in one hand and my finger yeah. on the uh, <laughs> the shutters or whatever. And I'm just, I, you know, I'm looking out or whatever the case is. But it's it just, it gives me peace. You know, like, just to have that time to myself, too. Exactly. I was just going to You know what I mean? Nobody's that. up. My Yeah, friends aren't calling. Email's not going off. I'm not checking any of, you know, them that might have been sent the night before. You know, it's just it's just my time to get centered, yeah. you know, with me. Get my head together. Like you said, get my head, my mind, my body, my spirit, and all of that. And I, I really cherish that time. It's, it's, it's awesome. Nah, it's golden. I'm, I'm the wake up at 5 a.m. guy, too toddler life like i i get it i get it i vibe yeah. with you <laughs> i have those same yeah it's it's pretty awesome it, it was is tough that, at right? first but it's awesome now yeah yeah because it's your again it's your time and you need that peace you need that you know personal space uh again for all those three areas so thanks for sharing that i want to be mindful of time i feel like i again you're already committed to part two so we're going to get that uh squared away and figured out but i'm down yeah, I'm with it. I, look, I love this conversation. That's why I'm saying I'm like, I got a lot to talk to you about still, but I want to be respectful of time. That'll be a cliffhanger for all the folks listening. But look, seriously, I, I appreciate you, brother. I thank you for making time. Likewise. And going man to man with me today. Is there anything besides looking out for, for the pop-up, which I'm now going to look out for? When 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 is when is the next uh pop up due? Like so April May. April May. April okay. May. I have a okay. few things going on, so I'm trying to figure out my schedule. I'm in this pilot program that Disney launched called the Creators Lab. Okay. So there's there a trip go. that they planned for us that got pushed back because of Omicron. So with the timing of that and some other projects I have going on, it's it's looking like it's gonna be like April May. Okay. So I'll keep um I'll keep everybody posted about that. And then the only other thing I mean there are any uh you know producers anybody in development watching i'm always uh i've had two like i said i've had two network shows um a bunch of digital so i'm always trying to pitch i'm always trying to sell another show and then in terms of like my private chef services if there's anybody out there within a specific tax bracket because i like to work <laughs> with you know um yeah you know I, with people that i, I don't have to negotiate my rates with um, yeah, because yeah. i know you know how how great my cuisine is and different things like that. If you need a, need a private chef, hit me up. I'm easy to find, you know, Seth Brundle on all platforms. None of my profiles are blocked. I don't have any enemies or anything I'm running from or whatever. So I'm easy to, yeah. I'm easy to find, man. Easy to I'm find. easy to That's find. I'm low key. I respect I'm that. I'm low key. I mind my business. I drink my water, you know, and I do my work well and I go home. That's it. <laughs> I love that. That's what's up, brother. That's what's up. Okay, Blacklow fam, he he sent you to the all the socials and kept it simple. Make sure you go show him some love, hit him up as needed. And in the meantime, make sure to tell another brother, king or queen about man to man so we can keep these conversations going and keep building each other up. And don't forget to leave a review. This was a dope one. I'm bringing my man back for part two. So leave that review. And hey, hey. <laughs> and in the meantime, if there's someone you want to hear from on Man to Man, connect with me on IG at Waziki W A S I C K I. Until next week, peace, love, and what do we what do we what do we got to end it with? So <laughs> let's bring it there. Us what's up. <laughs>